you know who else was very critical of the offense yesterday was Jake Fromm. Uh, Fromm said they, they, they were clean. Elijah Holyfield said they were undisciplined. Fromm was really kind of down himself with some of his mistakes. Again, these are little things, but these are little games. If you're going to get anything out of these games, the whole point of playing them is to find these little mistakes and to isolate them and try to correct them. Hey there, you're listening to episode 148 of the Waiting Since Last Saturday podcast. This is the post-game episode for the Georgia versus Middle Tennessee State game. My name is Scott Duvall and my two co-hosts, Tony Waller and Will Leach, join me to share our thoughts on what the dogs did right on Saturday, and there was a lot of it. But also what concerns us is the dogs set out to make their second trip to Columbia this year. Columbia, Missouri, that is, to face the unranked yet undefeated Missouri Tigers. And we will be back later this week for our big Georgia versus Missouri preview show. But in the meantime, we hope you enjoy this rather short Skype call that the three of us recorded earlier on Sunday afternoon. Here is Will to get us started. All right, gentlemen, 49-7. to Another game where we needed a running clock in the fourth quarter. I feel like I could get used to to this major takeaway from this game. Tony, start us off. What's your major takeaway from another blowout? I'm trying really hard not to be one of those um, one of those fans, but I went back and watched the game this morning and they got a lot of coaching moments to deal with this week. The biggest takeaway is, is clear athletically we are head and shoulders above probably the SEC East, and certainly where we were three years ago. And that's awesome. It's fantastic. It's great to see. Middle Tennessee State was just outmatched, period. It was good to see some guys get some reps. I think I counted 79 players on the participation report. 29 players had at least one tackle. Scott, I'm sure you, you pay close attention to the receiving. There were, what, eight or nine guys that got receptions, including Isaac Nana, your lead receiver for the game. But we also looked sloppy in the first half in particular, and there's some room there that you you want to available as a coach to, to, to use those moments and say, we're not there yet, guys. I think I like the quote that Coach Stockstill said after the game. The three words that I remember he said is, they swallowed us up. That's four words, but you get the picture. And that's, that's kind of the truth. The way Georgia has been playing this year, scoring, scoring over 40 points a game. And they pretty much gobbled them up because there wasn't much scoring in the second half. I think uh, Justin Fields had a touchdown in the second half, but uh, with 42 on the board before halftime, that's pretty impressive. And to Tony, to answer your question about the receivers, I counted one, two, three, four, five different receivers with a touchdown catch yesterday. I'm sorry, not a catch because Tyler Simmons ran one in. One of the most impressive things I've seen throughout the first three games this year is there's been 12 different players score a touchdown. And I looked back at the trusty uh, media guide that they give us every year for um, last year. And at this point, after three games, there were only six players that had scored a touchdown. So take it for what it's worth because Nick Chubb and Sonny Michelle had the majority of those touchdowns last year, but the fact that you're spreading the ball around five or six different receivers with the touchdown, you've got a defensive touchdown and uh, Terry Godwin hasn't even accounted for one yet. So uh, there's just a lot of talent to be spreading around out there on the field. And um, yeah, I feel pretty good about the rest of the year. <laughs> <laughs> there's certainly a lot of weapons. Uh, I think that, that that's clear. We saw that uh, South Carolina saw that again this week. I agree, Tony though, again, we're, you know, we're looking for, negative things on a game theme where they wiped them out and again, should have done the running clock. 
they were sloppy early. Penalties were – that's – I guarantee you that when they talk about this game throughout the week, uh, particularly heading into an SEC game, an SEC road game, the, the emphasis will be on those mistakes. Obviously, the talent's there. Obviously, they're able to overwhelm the guys. But there were particularly early on kind of silly mistakes, uh, penalties, and uh, that fumble uh, deep in their zone could have been a disaster. Like it now, by disaster, it could have meant the game would have been 42 to 14 rather than 49 to 7. Seven, but those things will add up later, and they will count more later. Because I think that clearly it's exciting. It's exciting to see Holyfield uh, getting all those runs. It's exciting to see Miko Hardman finally get that uh, punt return for a touchdown. Yeah, again, this is where you are at when you're this early in the season, and you're you're stomping on guys from Middle Tennessee State. But, you know, that's the point of these games, right? The point of you have having these games is to when you have little things like that to point them out and make sure they don't happen in more important games. So I'm pointing them out. There were some mistakes early. I'm sure uh, if I'm pointing it out, I guarantee the coaching staff is pointing them out as well. Yeah, and I think it's mostly a product of youth. I mean, a couple of them were on Cade Mays. A lot has been made of the was it Brenton Cox and DeAndre Walker dust up. By the way, I love what Kirby said about that, which is, you know, those guys love each other. It's just they're just trying to to hold each other accountable and you know, then you know, Jason Stanley did not have a great day. He he got, I think he got penalized one time for an offside zone uh, kickoff. I thought he was going to jeopardize Rodrigo's touchback streak, my favorite play streak. But, he, you know, he also got penalized, I want to say, for I think a 15-yarder for something at a play earlier. Um, but, you know, I think you, you brought up the, the touchdown return on the punt. There were two times earlier in that that where Kirby was coaching up the receiving guys there. It was like, hey, guys, you got to get that ball. And they're trying to play themselves. Kirby's like, no, no, you don't understand. I send you out there to catch the ball. You know, if you, you think you can't return it, fair catch it um, and secure the ball. Don't let that ball bounce and pin us because that's going to kill us later. But, again, I think anybody would acknowledge that, one, we are a young football team. There are a ton of first-time players that have, frankly, didn't, didn't play, haven't played college football. The second is, is that it does feel – I guess good that our worry is that we're committing too many penalties and we had a breakdown that almost cost us a safety and or a, a, a touchdown on a fumble inside the end zone. Um, and that's the biggest thing we're concerned about right this second. I'm not going to fall for y'all's negativity <laughs> when we went 49 <laughs> to seven. I'm not going to fall for it because at first, it's not negativity. Uh, it's nitpicky, nitpickiness, yes. whatever, yes. whatever you want to call it. I'm not going to fall for it because I started to, uh, maybe you watched too much of that Alabama game last night and realized that we do have a lot of work to do. I don't know, but, um, if you're going to have a playground to fight and throw the first punch, you got to run like hell. You can't just punch stand there. Yeah. But this Georgia team is tied for second nationally and points per game. Allowed. And so people might immediately scoff at that saying, Hey, we played Austin P South Carolina and middle Tennessee state. Well, the 2017 team had a similar three game opening. They played an FCS team in Samford. They played Notre Dame was ranked 24. South Carolina was ranked 24 and they played a mid-major app state last year. And they had given up a whole lot more points during those first three games, eight points a game is, is pretty good. Along with the scoring uh, well over 40 points a game, I'd, I'd seen in one of the post-game reports, I think it was ESPN, I can't give anybody credit. Sorry, Will, I don't know the byline because it was just like a one of those little the recap thing. Mm. I just saw it in the first paragraph, but surely written by surely, robots. surely 
there wasn't a person that wrote it. It was just an automated thing. Mm-hmm. I'm like sorry. Yahoo, the like, the, like those Yahoo fantasy recaps. That be, <laughs> fantasy sports. Yeah. <laughs> right. right. But, uh, but they pointed out some, it's the second time in school history that Georgia has scored 40 points in each of its first three games. 2012 was the other time they did it. They played Buffalo, Missouri and Florida Atlantic. There's a lot of comparisons between past years. And I'm just basically saying all this to say, let's not get negative over these three games. Let Kirby get negative. Let's stay the fans and let's stay positive because this is so much fun. You do bring up a good point. I did see a stat uh, the first three games last year because people were saying, Georgia's running game, blah, blah, blah. We are averaging uh, about a shade over three more yards of carry this season on a comparable number of carries. So that does speak to how much better the offense is, and I think it is better. I certainly can't argue with those stats at all. And I, I mean, I, I can't speak for Will when I say I'm not, I'm not in panic mode. I'm just pointing out that they look sloppy to the you know untrained naked fan eye. I'm by no means disappointed because this is fun right now. Are you the untrained part or the naked part? Hmm. I'm probably both. I mean, you know, we're not we're not together. It's not daytime, so I could be naked. For for what it's worth, for what it's worth, the untrained naked eye is one thing. You know who else was very critical of the offense yesterday was Jake Fromm. Uh, Fromm said they, they, they weren't clean. Uh, Elijah Holyfield said they were undisciplined. Uh, Fromm was really kind of down himself with some of his mistakes. Again, these are little things, but these are little games. If you're going to get anything out of these games, the whole point of playing them is to find these little mistakes and to isolate them and try to correct them. The fact that I don't think it's just us being negative to say that when the team is like, yep, I didn't have a great game. It's funny you talk about Fromm. Um, we talk about Fields in a second, but Fromm is funny. I, they flashed on the screen. Uh, right before that, he his, uh, he only had like forty-seven yards passing, and Fromm had really not had his breakthrough moment. And then he threw a perfect long pass, like oh. an absolutely perfect, perfect pass to remind you. Oh, right, Jake Fromm is not actually just a game manager. He could throw that perfect long ball in case we had forgotten about the Fromm boners from last year. Uh, we definitely had a Fromm boner moment with that with that throw. I think you're right. I mean, you do forget how talented Jake Fromm can be when he's asked to do it, and. You know, we're in the third game of the season. We have been fairly – I mean, we have not had to do anything other than run base offense to run the score. And when he threw that pass, I was just like, oh, my gosh, look at that. We're just beautiful. You know, and, and like I said, we'll get to Fields in a minute because he had a, a fantastic – just a, quite a great throw on that touchdown. But, you know, from he, – he is more than a game manager. And I think we will probably look back on his time in Athens, whether he – remains the starter past this season or not, because I'm not willing to say he will be. Um, but it's like, man, what a talent we had here. Well, you want, you want to talk about Fields a little bit? I really think that's worth knowing. I feel like this is the most sustained Fields we've had after. Like, obviously, the first game he played for a little bit, but this was the most – you saw him play – uh, a little bit more and allowed him to get in rhythm a little bit. And listen, I, I, I promise clearly this should be the start of this for this team. But you, there are times where you watch fields, you're like, oh, wow, this guy can literally do anything. You understand why he's the number one quarterback prospect. Yeah, I was really happy to see him on the two minute drive. Um, you know, I, not having been at the stadium because I was at my daughter's football game, um, I, I, of course, didn't know when I saw that, that the penalty actually get reviewed and be a targeting. I was like, oh, my God, that's got to be a targeting. So when Fields came out, I was like, they, they, they're not going to call that. And then they went to review. I'm like, okay, I know how this ends now then. It was a really nicely done drive, and you're exactly right. He used his legs more that drive. It's the it's – the, Drivery through the touchdown pass um, that was really impressive to me because uh, that, that ball he threw, 
he basically threw in the middle of the seam of the double zone coverage and hit his receiver out of the break at the perfect spot. There's not many quarterbacks in the nation, 10 or 12, 15 maybe, that can make that throw. And it was just a bullet right in the right spot. In accordance with uh, Justin Fields' play, was a van- I almost called him a Vander. Elijah Holyfield runs for over 100 yards the first time. It's our first 100-yard rusher since the Rose Bowl, I think, um, when Sony and Nick both went over 100. But uh, it was great to see him kind of take over as kind of the first-string running back almost because Swift was just not as used. And I mean, it helps when you have a 66-yard uh, run. He did get walked down on that. I guess you know the burst of speed is not there that the others might have like James Cook or uh, Swift, but we kind of touted him in the off season. Everybody was taking pictures of his biceps and showing them on social media. And uh, it's good to have, I mean, one, two, three, four deep running back. And then you have the Prather Hudson sighting. So, I mean, yes. I say just keep that going. Yeah. Prather Hudson, Prather Hudson sighting. It is now one of my favorite subplots of every game is every time I, Prather I tweeted Hudson. it out yesterday. Yeah, and you and like six or seven other people. <laughs> <laughs> I really, truly am very honored. Every time Prather Hudson gets in a game, the human victory cigar that people will shout me out on Twitter. I enjoy it uh, every time. But yeah, I think it's, I, I don't want us to get to, you're right. I don't want us to get to, there's obviously good stuff to come out of the game and a uh, good reminder that, all oh, right, Georgia is really, really good this year. I think the other major thing that happened with Georgia football yesterday is what happened in Auburn. You know, that game was going to be interesting anyway, because those were the two teams uh, that were the most difficult games on the schedule. And now, boy, that Georgia L- at LSU game, I mean, is it possible? What's LSU schedule? They don't play Alabama before then. So no, no that game. I, I think in my look at schedule, it'd be really, it'd be a pretty big surprise if they are not undefeated. Yeah, that basically unless something weird happens next week and uh, or two weeks from now against Tennessee, like next week against Missouri, two weeks from now against Tennessee with Georgia. That that's got to be the CBS national game. You're going to have two top ten teams. Um, yeah, you may have two top five teams. Uh, yeah, three versus five, three versus yeah. six, something like that. They definitely move up one spot because one top ten team went out. Wisconsin lost yesterday because the Big Ten completely blew itself up <laughs> in every possible way. Uh, uh, even my Illini. We don't have to get into Illini, but progress. progress were they progress. winning? Were they winning late in that game? They were outscored eighteen to nothing in the fourth quarter. So oh, okay, uh, I yes. must have seen a third quarter score. Yeah, they were. No, yeah, they were up. They were up. They were up for nineteen uh, seven. Uh, and then uh, uh, South Florida scored the last 18 points of the game. Nevertheless, good showing for the, the actual appreciable progress for the first time in about two years. I will take it. Uh, otherwise, Missouri won. Uh, they, they, I think that uh, if you're Georgia, and this, you know, I've always, I've, I've always kind of kept Missouri in the back of my mind as a potential scary game just because you've got luck and they're going to be throwing like crazy. Uh, winning by only three, a, la- a walk-off, a walk-off, uh, a last-second field goal against Purdue, a team that is now 0-3, uh, is not necessary. I know they're improving. They're better than they were the week before. But uh, that game worries me less now. It probably wasn't really worrying me that much. But frankly, uh, after Missouri, you're really setting up for uh, that LSU game. But uh and, and the SEC East uh, looks a little bit less scary every single second. One other thing I want to point out is uh, as of yesterday, Rodrigo Blankenship is the uh, only one of two kickers that has put every uh, kickoff in the end zone. The other place, University of South Carolina, of course, and they display this week. Okay, well, the last thing is anything else, any takeaways from the night game during the during the day game? Obviously, it's shifted everybody's schedule around. I actually found most Georgia fans pretty grumpy about the whole thing. They had put everything together just to be able to do a 7-15, moving it up for noon, uh, just kind of changed, just as from the fan experience. The vibe at the stadium felt 
a little off just because the game was just not no I I feel like the crowds were a little uh, the, the, I think there were fewer people there I feel like the tailgating situation was a little bit dialed back and really the whole the, even traffic wasn't that bad I think it really kind of uh, not messed things up obviously I understand why they did it but it certainly led to a different vibe when you switch it last minute like that Yeah I noticed that about 10 minutes before kickoff when they start doing all the pregame video stuff it was the 300 level was very sparse, especially on the visitor side and it did get filled in, but there's no way there were 92,000. I'd say maybe 83, 80,000 max in that stadium. Um, but I did, I, I was really scared that it was going to be another 95 degree melt your face off day. But I guess with those prevailing winds from (laughs) hurricane Florence, it made it kind of nice even sitting in the sun. Um, I know you were in the shade, but you would have been perfectly comfortable sitting in the sun. Tailgating wise, we we obviously had fewer people, but there were other than the men's basketball team, we were the only ones out there tailgating. A couple of people over on Tailgate Island were up, um, but it was it was pretty quiet. And then when we you know, we started breaking down a little later, just because we figured it wasn't as as important to be in there uh, until kickoff. And I never really experienced the rush of people walking by that we're used to seeing. I don't know where the people park downtown or what, but it doesn't surprise me in the least that there were fewer than 90, 85,000 in there. And like I said, I wasn't able to go. And I think there are some people whose plans had been set. Uh, they had the same thing. They just weren't able to make the game. And I ended up giving uh, take my tickets to somebody. But still, you, you, uh, that's what happens when you change a game. And it, they should have changed it. I'm not arguing the point about changing the game. It just it, it did affect the vibe. And you could, actually, you could hear it in, on the broadcast, too. All right, Scott, wrap us up. All right, so uh, we had promised uh, that the week three winner of the fun office pools would get one of our patented, legendary, very few left, <laughs> waiting since last Saturday t-shirts. So I'd like to congratulate Ludicate for oh, winning nice. week three. Uh, yeah. The, uh, former red coder. Awesome. Yeah, he, uh, he, got, he went 10 and 5, had 98 points. Uh, I went 10 and 5, got 85 points. Will... Mm-mm. Went eight and seven yeah. with seventy-seven points, and Tony came in one hundred forty-second place this week, seven and eight and sixty-four points. Um, yeah, and I one, don't know what happened there. I had—I uh, don't know if there was a glitch with Sun Office pools or whatever. So basically, what I do is I, on Sunday I will look at the list of games and set a preliminary list, and then set them Monday morning before they they lock out. And I think what happened is that. I use a feature that allows me to preset certain games every week, so I don't have to always put, include them. And I think that added some games back in after I had, had or after I thought I'd set it. I think I fixed that. I'm not using the presets anymore. I'm just going to set all the games every week. Yeah. Oh, did Will leave? No, I'm here. I'm here. Sorry, the door. <laughs> Somebody's closing doors. Um, one other thing that I'd like to mention: I filmed with my camera yesterday, like I typically always do. And instead of just letting it sit on my hard drive, I went ahead and make a, made a, I made a short two and a half minute video uh, and it's up on YouTube now. So it's titled Saturday in Athens, watching the Georgia Bulldogs win versus MTSU. So you should go check it out. I'll have it linked in the show notes page. All right. Otherwise we will preview Missouri and uh, this should be good stuff. So uh, go dogs. Go dogs. And thanks so much for listening. Tony, Will, and I will be back recording our preview show on Monday evening. So if you have any questions for us, feel free to tweet us at WSLS Podcast. And congratulations to Ludicate 
for winning the WSLS podcast t-shirt and for winning the Fun Office Pool Wickham Wickham Pick'em Week 3 Pick'em Contest. I'm leaving that in because I love it when I accidentally mess things up that I've written down to read. (laughs) I've huddled with Will and Tony, and all three of us are in agreement that we're going to do this Pick'em Contest t-shirt thing again for Week 4. So yes, if you came in second, or even if you came in 142nd like Tony did this week, you've got another chance come Saturday. So get your picks in early, and make sure you pay close attention to those confidence points. That'll make you or break you in this league. And that's it for today. Have a great start to your week. We'll see you on campus in a few weeks. And as always, go dogs.